Hello, Hello and welcome to the Gwella on A podcast. This podcast, brought to you by Health Education and Improvement Wales, provides a series of discussions with guest speakers across NHS Wales to inspire and spark ideas around creating compassionate working environments. Hello, my name is Emily Miller and I'm a Leadership and Digital Senior Programme Manager and I'm here with my colleague Helen and Andy and Gareth um, who are going to introduce themselves in a minute for our third episode in our Gwetler on Air podcast series. So over to you Helen for an introduction and then we'll pass over to um, Andy and Gareth. Hi Emily, yes I'm Helen Thomas, I'm the Assistant Director of Leadership and Succession in HEIW and really pleased to be here to participate in this podcast with our colleagues uh, Gareth and Andy. Yeah, good afternoon, uh, Gareth Hughes, I'm the Divisional Director for Estates and Facilities in Aaron Bevan University Health Board. Uh, good afternoon. Hi, Pranandam, my name is Andy Adams, uh, I'm working as part of the management team here at St Aaron Bevan Estates and Facilities. Supporting primarily on the well-being, resilience, and management support agenda. Great, and and Andy and Gareth, if you could just tell us a little bit about your journey to the role you occupy today, a bit of background. Yeah, no, sure. So it's Gareth here. So I started in the NHS when I was nineteen, uh, and I kind of progressively worked up from a band three. Uh, I really enjoyed the kind of progress through estates and facilities. So for the last uh, 15, well, the previous 15 years, I worked in England as an estates and facility director, then moved into the private sector and worked for some outsourced companies delivering services back into the NHS. And then for the last 10 years, back into the NHS and the last five years, working as the divisional director for estates and facilities uh, within Aaron Bevan. But I think the key, the key fun, and I think my role is fun, is that me and my team really do make a difference. And I think with a, I think a lot of the time, estates and facilities can be seen as this unsung heroes within the health service, because what we do, we keep the health service moving. So without uh, the cleaners and the caterers and the porters and the guys working in HSDU and the estates guys who design and uh, who fix all the pieces of kit across the NHS, it, it just wouldn't work. So I have a great job leading a great team. Great. Thanks, Gareth. And, and over to you, Andy. Um, I've got a slightly different background. My background is uh, law enforcement, primarily policing. Uh, I was a chief superintendent with Gwent Police, um, which is in this beautiful little corner of southeast Wales. Um, had command exposure, firearms commander, chemical, biological, radionuclear warfare. Um, that was my ism at the time. Um, I retired with my 30-year service, far too young. Um, and I needed to do something, and I started to get involved then with what we call turnaround, primarily efficiency savings, but also going into organisations and looking at operating models, looking at how we can um, deliver things slightly better, but always putting the staff at the front of everything that we were doing, having some success then. And then in February 19, 2019, so we say BC in terms of before COVID, you know, I was contacted with a view to uh, writing the leadership and management material for uh, Nair and Bevan for the clinical directors and the consultants in terms of the opening of the Grange, the university hospital. So I did that. Um, I think it was about 70 odd workshops, 300 staff. It was a beast to do, but we did it. And the challenge then of COVID developed on top of that. Um, and I've been working alongside Gareth then ever since, recognising 
the need really to support teams right at the front end in a slightly different way than is traditionally normal, should we say. Great, thank you. Um, there's extreme variation there on your roles and backgrounds, but a huge wealth of experience that you've pulled on, I can see. So, so Gareth, may I ask you this question? Um, can you perhaps just articulate a little bit for us, where did, where did this passion come from to want to make a difference in estates and facilities? And, and what was going on there that you observed that you felt that you needed to intervene there? Yeah, no, sure. So, so I've been with the health board for just around five years. And so when I first started, one of my massive uh, areas for, for interest is around continuous improvement and in terms of supporting uh, staff to make a difference. So, so back in 2016, 2017, we embarked on a continuous improvement program. And I'm a great believer that the best people who understand how to make the biggest change are the staff are actually doing on the front line. So we initiated a, a program where we seconded a number of staff from band two up to band seven into the team to deliver it and review how we deliver our services by actually talking and listening to staff. So we had a program for about two years where we actually made real change within the division where we looked at how we could actually fundamentally turn up side down what we do to, to try change. And when it worked, fantastic, but we still reviewed it. When it didn't work, we kept trying to find a different way to make an improvement because the, the key ethos within the division, within the health board, is about patient first. It's about that patient experience, that patient quality with a foundation around staff well-being and the continuous improvement program really supported that. Uh, and we were very fortunate. We won the Academy Awards uh, Award for Health in terms of continuous improvement, which is fabulous, which is recognition to the guys. But what you want to do is, is to move it on to the next stage and really look at leadership within the team. So within the division, we have about one and a half thousand staff uh, and we wanted to find a way that we could empower the staff to make a difference as well. So prior to COVID, we started working with the Bevan Commission in terms of looking at how we can highlight real positive leadership traits. COVID then obviously came along and it, it completely turned everything upside down. But what it did do, it gave us the ability to, to look at how we lead and how we manage. So what was coming out from the staff at the time was the fact that staff were scared. The environment, both in work at home, was very different. We wanted to ensure that staff understood what was happening and we could reinforce the fact that as an organisation, we were protecting them and protecting the health. So we, we embarked on a piece of work with Adrian Neal and his OD team where we started looking at how can we actually work with staff and create a safe environment for them to develop and work within. That then brought forward the fact of working on a transformational change modules that the organisation set up where we felt met Andy. So, so from that, uh, Adrian, Andy and Sophie Jones, we looked at how could we fundamentally support and interact with staff to give them the reassurance uh, and the support in the work environment. And that led to a progressive approach where we focused on some very key principles that the leadership team would be visible, we would go out, we would talk, we would listen, and but more importantly, we would say thank you. And I think that's a really powerful place to be. So from that initial workshops around leadership and leadership traits, through to the process where we were encouraging managers, not just to manage, but to lead by example, uh, and to listen to the staff. We developed a, a large program of going back to the floor, because uh, we, we tried the principle of trying to encourage staff to come forward, to talk about areas of concern. The staff were against doing that. So 
we felt the most appropriate way was actually out to the staff. And as, as a senior team within the division, we've always gone back to the floor. So I'll go back and work as a porter, a cleaner, as a craftsman. And I guess that goes back to when I started in the NHS. I, I didn't come in with a degree. I got educated whilst working through the NHS. I was very fortunate. I have four degrees and three of my master's degrees. So I, I've learned as I've as I progressed and I think that's one of the key messages for the NHS is that opportunities are there if you like to take them forward and that's what we wanted to get across to all our staff and it's a journey we're on and we're looking at culture and behaviours and leadership traits but it is a hell of a journey so leading on from when we had the back to the floor and the the rest of the team were involved in uh, talking and listening to staff and the uh, and Sophie have, have interacted with over 600 of my one and a half thousand staff in the last 12 months, which is which is massive. And a lot of the work that we've done, it's just a, it's just a listening process. And we had a discussion prior to coming on air is that it is really simple to do what we've been doing. It does take time and it does take a commitment to, to follow up the actions, but to listen, to talk, to be approachable, uh, to to engage with staff makes all the difference and it doesn't take a lot to generally say thank you but it means a hell of a lot and i guess that's the principles that we're we're looking at and leading on from everything seemed to flow into different stages which was really interesting to be involved in and reflect back on so now we have a we have a program that we started uh back in probably march time where i've set the division of where i would like the division to go aligned to the health board's uh, objectives and uh, kind of criteria. But to me, it's about working with and engaging with all of my staff. So all one and a half thousand staff will have the opportunity to actively participate in the journey we're taking the division on. And the the journey is all based around uh, putting the patient first with that quality and experience, creating a safe environment for staff to challenge and to make a difference. But for, for individuals who are in a position where they they manage and lead to give them the autonomy so they can actually lead and if we do make mistakes to do it in a safe environment and that's what the workshops were pulling through so by the end of this this year we would have got through over one and a half thousand staff in terms of proper interactions that's from band twos up to band eight c's uh, for all different tiers and all different backgrounds so it's, it's a really fascinating time and, and out of those 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 sessions that we're running were creating a number of, of pillars to work through so we, we we got one that relates to culture and behaviors and there's the number of key elements that that flow within that there's then the, the staff well-being and staffing elements and again that has a number of key uh, criteria work streams and then we have systems and processes as the third and then service uh, reviews and redesigns as the fourth so what I'm trying to do in, in a positive way by engaging with all the staff, we're going to turn the division on its head and challenge what we do, how we do it, with a real focus on on people and patients. Andy? I can't add any more to that, really, can I? <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And that's what we're doing. It, it's it's fun. Um, it's challenging. It's extremely challenging. I mean, going back to the floor, um, I started doing this work, um, as Gareth said, in, I, I think it was um, April last year, end of April last year. Um, and then what, what happened was I was engaged for an initial period of, uh, of, I think it was eight sessions with workforce and organizational development, working with the brilliant Adrian Neal, who I know you guys know 
um, and, and we had some fantastic success. And then we started to think we need to take this to the next level. And that next level was going back to the floor in a risk environment, PPE, appropriate distance control measures, everything in place. But then when you walk in then with your porters, you're walking with your domestic teams, um, you know, one of Gareth's, Gareth's number two, Neil Pierce. So he's primarily hard FM as opposed to the soft FM. You know, he was going back to the floor with a domestic trolley. He was called the domestic hostess with the most S. It was fabulous. And the feedback was brilliant. But what we were doing then is starting to do something about it. And some of these anxieties that were being caused by the staff were being caused as a result of systems and process issues. So we started to do something about it, you know, sort of break some of those systems and rebuild them in a way that, that, that was necessary to work. So that was as a result of, you know, the going back to the floor. And then the enormity of the Grange then opened on the 17th of November last year. And there were some very, very anxious staff. I mean, really anxious staff, height of a pandemic, people worried, going home, scared. The boundaries of psychological safety were being pushed. Um, and we struggled, but we needed to continue to invest. So then Gareth, then Neil, they they had fantastic visibility. And I'm saying this as an independent because it's lovely to talk about leadership and having had the privilege of command, I, I know what that's like and to lead people, but actually visibly seeing some of the contributions that, that these people are making out and uh, how can I say how people are being received as well? And we started to pick up then a couple of ideas where speaking to people right at the sharp end gave them an opportunity to feel valued. Um, one of the ideas that we came up with was that people were just not saying thank you. Um, one of the values of coming in as almost an independent in some ways to see the value of visibility in terms of leadership. So you've got senior managers out on the shop floor making such a difference, offering reassurance, um, simple things like, you know, buying a cup of coffee, buying a bacon roll for somebody. Um, it, it means these random acts of kindness, for want of a better word. It added so much value. Um, and then starting to engage with the teams um, at the Grange, you know, where it was difficult, very, very difficult. Um, the environment wasn't the best. People were worried. They were concerned as to their own safety. Um, and in addition to that, then concerned as to the safety then of their loved ones that they were going home to see. Um, and we're trying to provide them reassurance. We don't really know, if we're honest, what we were up against in the best world. Uh, you know, the best minds in the world didn't either. So it was very much, you know, unknown territory. And but we wanted to say thank you. So we then developed this going home checklist. Um, some of the teams within County Hospital had started to do sort of something similar. I'd used one previously uh, in law enforcement within policing, where it was just almost like a checklist saying, listen, thanks very much for what you've done. You know, you've had a bad day. We know you've had a bad day. Just look back, reflect, and then focus then um, on going home, rest, recharge, and recover. And Claire Smith then um, was brilliant, the visual illustrator. She captured these thoughts for me. Then we had a load printed off. But then when I did the market research on that, um, it was a little bit of a sobering moment because for some, they said, home is not a good place. I'm in a challenging relationship. I don't want to go home. I'm feeling guilty about leaving my colleagues, you know, when I go home because they're going under. The clinical teams, medical teams, they picked up on this as well. They wanted something like that. So whereas we were just focusing initially on the division, 
we put up posters, but part of my remit from Gareth was look to build relationships with some of the clinical teams. I had, I'm lucky in some ways, I've had a pretty good currency with many of them following the managing transformation module. So um, they said, oh, can you get us some of these cards? Can you get us some of these? So you go every, anywhere in the Grange now, you see these cards and, and it went viral. It then got, um, I, I'm lucky enough to work with um, at board level within Comtaf. Um, and they liked, so two of the directors said, oh, can we use these as well? Then Swansea Bay came on board. And then the coup de gras came when Exeter University loved it. I mean, absolutely loved it. Went viral. And we had a reach out of over a million, you know, on social media then because of this. And it, it was really good. But the bottom line was staff feel value. And the fact that Gareth and Neil, you know, put themselves out to meet staff at different shift patterns as well. So coming in on nights and saying, hey, listen, thanks very much. And those random acts of kindness, those messages that went out demonstrated a degree of compassionate leadership that for me is what it's all about and taking a real interest in the teams, listening to them, feeling empowered to make a challenge. And oh, those workshops that we're running at the moment are fantastic because everybody that has that attends is, is given a brief, a brief in to go. And they all come with a little bit of an idea as to what they're going to talk about. They then have an opportunity. It's like a pseudo action learning set, for want of a better word. But what we do then is look at ways that we can improve. So you said we did. We've got the potential solution. That's now feeding into a transformation uh, program that Gareth's now designing. And, you know, we've got these four strands and it addresses everything right the way across the whole piece of estates and facilities. And the value added, you know, if, if I was to share with you some of the feedback that we've had, this has never been done before. We genuinely feel that we're being listened to. Um, and you can't ask much more, for more than that, really, from the people. But what was really important as well was the value added in terms of them recognising the bigger picture in terms of support for the patient. We used to have a line to say that, you know, every contact leaves a trace. Let's just make sure it's a good one. Um, and people starting to pick up on that. And I saw some incredible passionate care from domestic teams up at Neville Hall. Um, I, I mean, I can't repeat them. Um, but having seen that, you, you see leadership at the lowest of level in some ways in terms of what their feelings are as to where they are. However, oh, these guys have got it by the bucket load. It's just incredible. It's all about patient care, how they're feeling. You know, I'd love to share with you some stories, but I can't. And they're just, you know, they're emotive. When I talk to people about them in the privacy of a one-to-one -one environment, in strictest confidence, some people are in tears listening to the work that some of these people have done. They're amazing. But they started off feeling undervalued. They are now starting to feel more valued. We're not there yet. You know, we're, this is a journey. You know, it's I hate using that word journey because it's as if we're going to jump out and do an X factor type thing or something. But it is a journey. There's uh, and again, you know, trouble is with journeys. They've got a beginning and an end. Well, there's no end to this because it's continual. Uh, and that's what we want to try and do and make this place. My objective is quite simple. I want to make estates and facilities um, a division of choice for people to come and work. That's that's my raison d'etre. And, and having somebody like Gareth to work with where he's really receptive to some of these ideas that I've seen and I've had an opportunity to work with outside of the health service, it's, it's quite refreshing, really, really good. So I need that 
I use the word fondly, strategic muscle, but I need that little bit of strategic support to enable some of these ideas to take off. That was such a powerful narrative. Um, I know you inspired me with that narrative of your journey and mm. what you're doing there and how you've engaged staff. I mean, the key things that come out for me and were jumping out in spades was listening, mm. um, really paying attention, really being present with those yep. staff, turning up late, um, thanking them, having that empathy in bucket so that moved you to take action i mean if you think back to the compassionate leadership compass it's mm. around being present it's around listening and listening with fascination it's around understanding the issues it's around then empathizing and taking action and that's what you've done you've not only taken action it sounds as if you created a movement there within uh, estates and facilities and uh, you've just given us such a powerful example of compassionate leadership in action there um, and thank you for, for sharing all that good practice if I could just ask one question to both Gareth and Andy before we, we wrap up my question to, to Gareth would be somebody wanting to know more about this journey or to, wanting to take on um, and, and adapt what you've done where would they start what, what tips could you give them? So I think the key for myself is is to go back to the floor, spend some time with the staff to make the difference. Uh, and what came out previously, uh, and we, Andy's right, it, it is a journey, and I've said that myself, is that when you first start doing the staff, I say, I'm just a domestic mm. reporter. Nobody's just anything. And I think once you can actually go back to the floor properly, so you, you, you've done the uniform and you actually work and you experience a walk in the staff, you make the difference shoes. It gives you a real understanding of the challenges that we have out there. And once you, once you comprehend uh, that element of what our role should be, so the big discussion we have nowadays is that my role is to support and empower staff to deliver their role to the best of their possible ability. But to do that, you've got to understand what their challenges are. So I'd say go back to the floor. Uh, but when you go back to the floor, look and listen uh, and look at how you can actually make some very key decisions that really fundamentally affect uh, people's lives. I mean, there's an example, and you can talk to you in a sec, actually, it's a real funny one about flushing of toilets. Uh, but some of the simple things that we can, decisions we can make as a, as a leader don't cost anything, but they make a fundamental difference to, to to staff's lives. So go back to the floor, listen, take on board, do what you say. I think it's fundamental. And I think be be very open to, to some criticism because we don't always get things right. Uh, but it's only wrong when we do nothing about it. And I think we, we need to embrace that. Okay, I'm a director in the health board. Do I understand uh, what a, a, a cleaner does on a day-to-day -day basis? Can I can I advise how they can do their job better? Absolutely not. You need to recognise that. But can they then work with and make changes that improve their environment and then fundamentally improve a patient environment? Absolutely. But we need to ensure these the, these key staff uh, actually have the ability to communicate and make those changes happen. And that, that fundamentally is the key uh, for me. I want to empower our staff to make the biggest difference they possibly can to our patients uh, and to work so closely with their peers that they support each other. And I guess that's the ongoing journey we're on. And if we get the staff wellbeing right, if we get the patient experience and, and quality right, everything else will fall into place. 
because it means that we're doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason. Uh, and it, there's always a massive focus on, on finance uh, and we, we talk about prudent healthcare. But if you get the patient and the staff right, mm. the money will follow because you end up doing things in a more appropriate way. But do you want to give the example of the, of the flushing? Because it, <laughs> it, it makes me smile every time Andy tells the story, actually. I'm not so sure your listeners will be ready for this. And uh, if, my, if Michael West wants an, a, a real-life example of dealing with toilets, then um, I went back to the floor with the proactive teams. Um, so the toilets in the education block were being cleaned in the morning and they were being cleaned in the evening. I, and you, I'm glad you can't see my face on this because it, it's a bit of a cringe moment when we were, I was working with a proactive team and um, one of the ladies I was working with said to me, oh, so we've got to go back up to the education centre. The toilets are blocked again. And I had visions of her getting this long-armed marigold on, and I thought nobody has paid enough money to be putting on a long-armed marigold and doing that sort of thing. But she flushed a chain, and the water came out, but it didn't move the debris. Um, and I, I said, oh, I said, there's not enough water coming through there. She said, oh, my job is just to clean the toilet. And I said, hmm, let's just take a step back on this a minute. Why isn't there enough water? I said, all right, get a bucket. So got a bucket, collected two litres of water, which was from the one flush from the one toilet that worked. And I said, that's not enough. So, right, let's double that amount of water. And it turned out that the default flush in every single toilet, all 385, were that of two litres flushing. Um, and it needed to be double that to move it. So by spending time, by listening, creating the right environment where actually they can challenge upwards because they would, they would have just carried on cleaning the toilets because that's what they were told to do. So what we did was go back and say to buildings, listen, we want these on four litres. And initially then there was a talk about conservation issues where we're using double the amount of water. But actually sometimes because they were, people were trying to remove the debris, you know, they were taking four, five, six flushes at two litres, which was 10 litres as opposed to the original four on its own. But more importantly for me was seeing the realisation of this, this supervisor and, and her colleagues to say, listen, we need to know about these things because we're going to make a difference. So if you're going, how many times have you gone up there to do this? Well, I went up there three times yesterday to do this. So two supervisors three times a day. You're thinking, this is madness. You know, why are they doing this? Why? Are, and it's because they were afraid to challenge. They're no longer afraid. What we say is challenge, but be respectful. And we will listen and we will capture that and do something um, about it. I've been a fan of Michael West's work for, for a while. I started reading his material a few years ago when he was doing the initial work with the King's Fund. I've read his book. Um, I think it's a fantastic resource. I know you guys have had a hand in it. I like the resource pack right at the very end um, of each chapter. But again, if you go back and look at some perhaps some, some older learning you know you go back to the seven habits of highly effective people you know when you look at habit number five seek first to understand then to be understood you know from the covey principles you know are we listening to understand or are we listening to defend and i have seen a transition now in terms of people starting to listen to understand complementing then that listening with fascination it ain't rocket science it's about an investment of time of senior leaders to go back to the floor I mean, ITV have just come out with this program about, you know, the bosses going back to the floor. It, it's no secret. You know, look at the that's the the, uh, the buy-in that they're getting from some of these staff. It, it's no secret, honestly. It's just doing the right thing 
ultimately then what's the impact on the teams what's the impact on the the other stakeholders so we've got people like the clinical teams the importance of cutting them in and making them feel valued that we're all part of one team no silo mentality it just doesn't work thank you so so much i it's so brilliant to hear you talking about this with such passion and to hear the real case example that totally encapsulates the whole compassionate leadership module, that psychologically safe environment where innovations, improvements can take place. Everyone's a leader. Everyone can speak up and make suggestions and feel safe to do that. It sounds like such a perfect example of all of that. So thank you so, so much um, for coming on and and speaking to us today. And I can hear you're very busy because all the way through you've been receiving emails and whatnot. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm very aware that I don't want to keep more of your time um, so you can get back to all those things coming through. But um, it's just absolute pleasure to to listen to to what's going on, and you've sent us some of those graphics that were created. They're fantastic. Um, we'll make them available as a resource on 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 Gretla, our digital leadership portal, where this podcast will sit, um, as well as on Spotify and on SoundCloud, where our listeners can access it. But just to say a huge thank you for for taking the time and talking to us about what you're doing. Um, it's absolute pleasure to listen to it. So thank you so much. Um, Helen, did you want to just wrap up as well? Just wanted to say that you've brought compassionate leadership to life. Um, this is great. Thank you so much, as Emily said. Okay, thank you. No problem. Thank you. Go and answer those emails. I'd rather talk to you too. Yeah. Oh, we could. We could. But we'll stop the recording anyway. Thank you both. All right. Take care, both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Diolch i chi am rhan dy atapodliadiad hwn a fa parwyd i chi gan addysg a gwella iachyd Cymru. This podcast was brought to you by Health, Education and Improvement Wales. If you have a compassionate leadership story you would like to share, we would love to hear from you. Please contact us at heiw.leadership.programme at wales.com dot nhs dot uk